lesson that we're going to look at in Romans. It's like coming to the end of a, a beautiful book. What? Yeah, and so I'm trying to get. I got something else I was thinking about. Uh. Anyway, we. I, I, I'm doing the first. I'm starting at 17. Uh, and working my way down. But I thought about. I don't want you to think that the first 16 verses ain't important or that it's not God's word or it's not. The reason why we're not looking at it is because I figured it wouldn't be a very good use of our time just for me to go through and tell you who all those people were. That he says, you know, salute this guy and greet that person and do all those things. But the thing that I see, the thing that you see in this chapter is for the first 16 verses, he talks about we are supposed to be unified. He's telling you this person, like in, a, in, in the first century, there weren't no big hotels, wasn't no Holiday Inn or nothing like that. So when a Christian would come to the, you know, Rome, where the letter was written to, he would have to stay with, you know, people, stay at somebody's house, stay with Christians. And, and so when uh, some people were coming and saying, well, I am one just so they could get, you know, just so they could take advantage of the hospitality, whatever. And Paul was saying, like, you need to greet this person and salute this person and greet this person, showing that they were part of the body and they were uh, helped him. And they were, uh, you know, they were. You spilled it again? <laughs> so. The whole thing, in a nutshell, is basically it's saying the church should be unified. And then right here at 17, from 17 to 20, it's saying we should be unified, but there's some people that we're not going to be unified with. Okay? You understand? Now, I want you to think. Think about what he said. Remember, remember chapter 14 where he said, you know, there's some things that we can disagree on and it shouldn't divide us. You know, we, whether this person can do that or this person can go, you know, remember Romans 14 where we talked about all those things? You just let your conscience be your guide. And if your conscience says it's okay, it's okay. If your conscience says it's not okay, we shouldn't judge each other. We shouldn't do all that. I want you to keep that in mind. When we read this too, because here he's saying he's saying there are some issues that we divide over. There are some issues that we I can't have, you know, I can't fellowship with you, you know, over some issues. And so let me just read it. It says, verse 17, now I beseech you, brethren, to mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And that's the important phrase. You know, we're not talking about, hey, should I wear blue jeans or what kind of makeup should I wear? Or, you know, well, if I'm wearing makeup, you probably, you know, that's a whole different, that's a whole different category. But, you know, we're not talking about things like that. We're talking about doctrines of the faith. We're talking about, we're talking about things about the gospel. So it says, it says, you mark those which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. And then it says what? Avoid so you got two commands in that verse. It says to mark them. Basically, marking them is the, the term means to pay close attention, to, to really note them, to, to be watchful, to be always alert for these people that cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrine. What's the doctrine? Anybody know? Huh? The 
Right. I mean, more generally, that's correct. But a doctrine is a teaching. You know, so you got a lot of people that say, well, we don't believe in doctrine. But as soon as you open your mouth to say who Jesus is, you're given doctrine. You see what I mean? As soon as you open your mouth to say this is what the gospel is, you're given doctrine. So what, we're, what it's saying is contrary to the teaching which you have learned, where did they learn the teaching? Well, yeah. The, yeah, true. But this is chapter 16. Chapters 1 through 15. Okay. So, yeah. But Paul's saying, look, I, I, done, I done told you what the deal is. Now, Paul's never been there. So they got it from this letter. But it's also what they received in the church. They, what you're going to find is there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. And that's really a true statement. Like, um, if you come up, if you find somebody today, like just a couple of years ago, there was like the whole new age thing was coming out where, you know, like on Oprah, she would have all these guru people, you know, and people were like, oh, what is this? This new, this, that's not new. They were doing that back in the fourth century. They were just Gnostic, you know, heresies. If you, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, that's not new. Uh, that comes from a guy named Arius that was back in the third century, second century. Third, fourth century. You know, yeah. They got the, you got the anti-Trinitarians that are oneness, the oneness Pentecostals, the, all this kind of deal. That's not new. They got, there was a, Sibelius was a guy's name back in the, you know, so all the heresies that you have, it's, it's, it's not new stuff. It may sound new because we've never heard it before, but it's stuff the church has dealt with for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So what it's saying is, it's saying avoid the doctrine which you have learned. The doctrine that's been handed down to the church, the doctrine that's been handed down uh, through the apostles' teaching, through that through that line of preachers and pastors, and we have the Word of God that are interpreting the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Say yes. Yes. Thank you. For they are, for they are, for they, for they that are, for they, is that right? Did I copy that right? I know that, but did I copy it right? Okay. For they that are such, for they that are such, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay. Two things to note. The people that are going to cause divisions and offenses. Uh, we never did talk about that, did we? What are divisions? What does it mean when he calls divisions? We know what divisions mean, but we're talking about in the church. What are divisions? Like, yeah, if somebody somebody comes along and says, you know, and we're talking about gospel issues. We're talking about, you know, Jesus being the son of God. We're talking about issues that define what a Christian is. So, like, for instance, you've got... You cannot be, and we're going to see this in the Gospel of John when we do that. You cannot be a Christian and not believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now that seems like, why can't, can't you just believe in Jesus? But we'll see that from the Gospel of John. It's got, Jesus said that the one that don't have the Son, he can't have the Father either. The one, whoever doesn't have the Son doesn't have the Father. So if you don't believe Father, Son, then you just have luck. You're worshiping a different God. So there are some issues that when you come, when people come in, and there have been some even here, that what they'll do is rather than, rather than, go right up to the leadership of the church and say, look, I have a disagreement. Can we sit down and just kind of 
you know, you tell me where you're coming from, we'll hash this out. What they do is they get on the phone and they call people and they'll they'll share their disagreement with here and then they'll share it over here. And what they're doing is just sowing seeds of dissension along, you know. Now, if you're in a church, like, uh, I'm sure none of you are here in this one, but like later on, if you go to a church or whatever and the pastor's preaching something and, you know, it's like, I don't I don't really understand that. I don't think I don't think I disagree with that, blah, 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 whatever. You go to him and you say, okay, we need to sit down. We need to discuss this. Okay. What these people are doing that Paul's talking about is saying they're causing divisions within the church. They're causing dissension within the church. They're, uh, they're bringing offenses. That means like stumbling blocks or putting up a roadblock to the teaching that Paul has been giving them through, throughout the letter. So it says, uh, for they are... How do we identify these people? He says they don't serve the Lord Christ, but they serve their own belly. What you're thinking of when I tell you about a person that causes division, a person that causes offenses, you're thinking about some mean, nasty, ugly looking, you know, I'm going to, you know, this, this, we need to watch out for this guy. But he's telling you to watch out for them because they come with good words and they come with fair speeches. So for example, so for example, uh, a person who would be divisive and teaching false doctrine doctrine in the church would be a person that his words aren't his words aren't offensive in themselves he sounds good he talks good he makes sense he's really moral person you know he smiles a lot you know, he, he has he has a way about, you know, he's really likable guy. Uh, the good words and fair speeches, that word, uh, good words actually means blessing. The word that he's talking about uses, is uses means blessing. He'll come with blessing. His teachings will come and bless you and make you feel good. And, you know, it'll be, he'll be one to, he'll be one to tickle your ears and to tell you what you want to hear. And his teachings will sound good and it'll sound right, but it'll be contrary to the doctrine that we have learned from Scripture. Okay? Can anybody give me an example? He's a religious con artist. Oh yeah, well, charlatan. Yeah. Somebody give me an example of not just a person, but a teaching that, like, for example, I'll give you one. I'll start off with one where we don't talk about sin, but we say God just loves you the way you are, and you can go do what you want to do, and just don't be so hard on yourself, huh? Every day's a Friday. Every day's a Friday. Yeah. I don't want to call on. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to call no names or anything about that, you know, about like false teachers or anything, but you know, there there are plenty, plenty everywhere. <coughs> okay. But, but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches, what? Excuse me. I got a cough drop. Fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, simple, nobody wants to think of themselves as simple, but it's not talking about simple-minded, like, you know, just people that just can't think straight or whatever, or maybe handicapped people or something. What it's talking about is uh, a bit, a good word for it would be like innocent or, or young in the faith or 
Well, it says we come to Christ with a childlike faith. So when you say simple, that's the way I interpret it. Should yeah. You know, someone with a childlike heart and pure and simple heart. Yeah, and maybe who hadn't hadn't been exposed, hadn't had the learning that a mature believer has, or hadn't you know hadn't had the time spent studying God's Word. You know, they would come. You know, when a brand new believer comes into the faith, really, you're born again. You're you're a baby in Christ, and you don't know anything. You know, just like any other baby, you got to learn to walk. You got to learn to fend for yourself. You got to learn to feed yourself. You got to learn to do all those things. And it's at that time when these people are so dangerous. And it's not just somebody coming saying he will not come and say, "Hey, all this God stuff is wrong, and you ain't got to worry about it." You know, he's not going to come and be that blatant. It's going to be very subtle. It's going to be, yeah, but, you know, he's going to have good words. He's going to have enticing speeches. He's going to have, he's going to have a way about him that, that makes you, you know, that you would be. There's some people that just have uh, charisma, that you're drawn to them. They're likable. They, they, you know, you want to be around them. They're fun. They're, you know, you know, it's like me. You know, some folks like that. So, uh, most of y'all, that was funny. That was a joke. <coughs> Where was I at? Simple. Huh? Simple. Simple. Yeah. Innocent. Okay? So it deceives the hearts of the simple. It says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men, and I'm glad, therefore, on your, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. It's the same word, simple. Innocent. So, what does it mean to be simple concerning evil and wise to that which is good? To, to be to be innocent of things that are evil, to not have anything to do with. Right. It. Well, what you would want to do is, and here's where here's where a lot of times uh, people get uh, a little mixed up when they go to talk about people that teach false doctrine, or even not just big. TV preachers that preach false doctrine, but people in your own community, you know, not somebody who's actually teaching, but somebody who's just causing division, somebody who's going behind, you know, somebody else's back saying, well, I don't think this is right, and this is, you know, just teaching, teaching wrong things. Um, it says the way that you combat this, the way that you protect yourself from this, the way that you, the way that you uh, insulate yourself from what this is, is not to learn all about the false teaching. It's not to, you know, that, that may be a good thing, but the first step that you do is to make sure you know what the right thing is. When they train people, uh, treasury officers and secret service, when they train them to spot counterfeit bills, they don't bring 35 different kinds of counterfeit bills in there to show them all the different kinds of counterfeit bills. They train them about what the real bill looks like and the intricacies of the real bill. And so when you can, when you know for a fact the real $20 bill has this, 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 and this, and all these things on it, then it doesn't matter what kind of counterfeit somebody brings to you, you can spot the counterfeit because you know what the real is. You see what I mean? And so what he's saying is, you know, there's going to be people that come to divide. There's going to be people that come with false doctrine. There's going to be people that come just for the sake of disruption. I'm, I'm hearing now about some people up in Bradford and Lexington that it's like, it's like 20 guys 
that just go from revival to revival, and all they do is disrupt. They walk in there and they sit all over the sanctuary. I went to my son's church that one last week during revival. Really? And the pastor asked him in his service to leave and not come back. They just get up and walk around while he's preaching or something? And they were just screaming out during the service. And this is a mother I've never been in church service like that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, people would just act like idiots. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were saying stuff like, um, y'all know that preacher's preaching too good for y'all not to be out to alter repenting. Because y'all all need repentance. And if you don't, you're all going to hell now. You know, when you die. Really? Yes. Huh. You would, have, you would have Well, yeah, they need to come on to Christchurch and try that one. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> but when they first come in, you just think they're people that's coming. Yeah, from yeah, the of course. And then yeah. once the evangelist started, it's when they started. And see, is it wasn't a pastor, it was an evangelist, like a better revival. Yeah, that, it was during their revival. Yeah. Well, see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had Yeah. Well, I would have. I would have. Talk directly to them. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, the way that you know, look, you can study what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, and you can study what Mormons believe, and you can study all the intricacies of the different kind of oneness teachings and all the, you know, all that stuff. But the way that you're going to spot, the way that you're going to spot the counterfeit among you. We're not talking about we're not talking about here's our church and this is our little group and then we got the kingdom halls down the road and so we need to know to be able to tell them what we what you know to know what they're teaching wrong. I'm talking about the people that are walking amongst you here. You know, and we've had them. We've had them. So the people that are walking amongst you here when when you when you know what you believe and you know why you believe what you believe. Then, when someone comes with a, a divergent teaching or just a, a doctrine that's contrary to what uh, Scripture says or anything like that, you're able to spot it because you know what the real thing looks like. You understand? Now, you can take this too far, okay? So we've talked about... The point is not to be on a witch hunt all the time looking for, oh, is it, you know, this person, this person here doesn't believe that, you know, you can play a C chord in the music at the church, therefore I'm not having fellowship with them, you know. You can take it too far. It's like we're not to be on a hunt, you know, like a witch hunt for people that are, that are absolutely wrong in everything that they, that they preach and teach. You've got to balance it with chapter 14, remember? There are some things that are matters of conscience, you know. If so-and-so wants to get their eyebrow pierced, we can't say, well, that's contrary to the doctrine, so therefore I can't hang out with them. You know, it, we, we have to balance it. You don't want to be like... It reminds me of them, you know, they had them German shepherds that sniff out the drugs at the airport, you know. And so back a long time ago, I read this thing about how the dogs were, you know, that's what they do is they sniff drugs. You know, like not sniff drugs, but sniff out drugs, you know what I mean? And so they would get, they would get, shut up, that wasn't funny. (laughs) They would get like, I, I just imagined them, I imagined them getting all, you know, that's what they do. That's what they're trained to do. So like whenever they're not at the airport, they're just sniffing around. You know, if they were coming to your house, they'd be sniffing around for some drugs or something. And can you imagine like the dogs would be like... 
you know, it's like, what do you mean we're not going to work today? <laughs> it's like, that's what they do is they, they're trained to snina. And so that's all they do. That's all they do. When they, you know, when they're just, when they got them around other people, they're just, they're sniffing for that. That's what they're trained to do. And so you don't want to be, you don't want to be like, hi, my name is Jason. You don't want to be, you don't want to be doing that. You know, it's not like this is, you know, you need to have your guard up and being watchful for them, but we can take it too far. Does that make sense? So you have to balance it with, you can, you have two things. You have the unity of the church. That's all of us together. We love each other. We're united together. And then you have the purity of the church, which means that we, we, we desire the truth and we hold fast to the truth. And those two things balance each other. There can be no unity where the doctrines of the faith are corrupted. See what I mean? Some people want to have unity no matter what. Like, you know, uh, there's guys, uh, maybe last year sometime, a guy named Rob Bell put out a book called Love Wins that said there's no, there's no hell, so don't worry about it. You know? And his, his, his shtick is basically, we all just need to get along and not worry about it, all this stuff, because there ain't no hell anyway, it's all good, don't worry about it, you know. Sorry, we cannot have unity together if we don't have purity in the truth. Amen. See what I mean? And so, in the same token, in the same token, we can't hold to the, we can't hold to every tiny facet of the truth so hard that we don't love people that disagree with us. See what I mean? So it's a balance. It's a balance. It's not like a, it's not booting them out if they don't agree with the way that you dress on Sunday. You know, it's not, it's not like that. We're going to, we're going to balance those two things out. We have to have unity. We have to have purity. And when, when, when unity gets, you know, when, when unity starts to over ride purity you're out of balance when the purity of perfect doctrinal orthodoxy starts to make you where you don't love people that have different opinions with you and stuff like that you're getting out of balance it's time to get out of balance see so you got to balance these things with each other everybody understand any questions it looked like y'all right rode a motorcycle in Got the black shirt going on. I don't know. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah. Huh? I'm sorry. She said tricycle. Tricycle. Oh, that's right. Okay. Who do they come to? He says, I'm glad therefore on your behalf. Uh, No, no. It says, uh, fair speeches to deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay. It says... For, because the reason is your obedience is come abroad unto all men. That means all, all, all the people around the Mediterranean world had heard how obedient and how wonderful the Roman church is. So what's going to happen? When you hear about how, how wonderful it is, how everything's going great, here come the people. Here come the people that want to divide, that want to deceive, that want to do these things. And a lot of times these folks are not even, they're not even coming with the purpose like, oh, I'm going to deceive some people today. You know, they just believe what they believe and they seek followers after themselves. That's what it means when it says they do not follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Uh, It really doesn't, 
I mean, I get it's their own. It's their own appetites. It's their own desires. Their own. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not just like fried chicken. You know what I mean? Like they. It's like they're all. They're seeking disciples after themselves. They're seeking. They're seeking the praise of men. They're seeking. You know the lust of the flesh. They're seeking. You know they're seeking those kind of things. And what the way that they do that is they find the place where there is unity of doctrine, unity uh, among the brethren, love, and all that kind of stuff, and they they attempt to pull away followers to themselves. It's happened from the very first centuries of Christianity. I mean, the very first one. If you read, for example, the letter to uh, letter of First John was written because of divisions going on in the church. John wrote that letter so that you would know that you are a Christian. He said, I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. And so uh, Colossians was written by Paul because of divisions going on in the church. People were thinking, you know, that maybe Jesus is just partly God. Maybe he's some kind of Gnostic emanation. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't know what that means. But uh, he was saying Jesus is the full of fullness of Godhead bodily. And, and so a lot of the letters that were written were written because of division. I can make a good case that Romans was written. Have, did you notice in Romans when we went through it from verse from chapter one to here that Romans was always talking about Jew Gentile? Y'all need to get along. Y'all need to stop. just remember who you are. It, it, you know the in uh, it was uh, who was before Nero? Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome. And so when he died, Nero took over, all the Jews came back in Rome. Now you imagine you're in a Christian church in Rome, and then all of a sudden, bang, here comes a flood of Jews that are also Jewish Christians coming back. And you can imagine all the strife and all the things that were going on. Paul writes a letter to Rome to say, look, this is what this is the way things need to happen. So they are they are the ones that cause division in the body. And they put up stumbling blocks, offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, we are to avoid them. It doesn't mean that we don't talk to them or we don't have no contact, you know, because these are people that are going to be in, in the fellowship with you. So it's like, uh, I remember Brother Eddie saying one time, like, there was one guy that, you know, at the rodeo, he was always there and, and he just wasn't very... I don't know what the problem was, but they they wasn't very they wasn't very close to each other. And he said he always went up. I'm talking about when he hit the front door, he walked in and he looked for that guy, and he would always go up to that guy and shake his hand and say, "How you doing? Good to see you." And then I'm done for the day. I don't have to worry about it no more. I don't found him. I done did it. It's all good. I don't have to worry about it no more. It says you avoid them. You you keep you keep your distance from them. You can't. What it's saying is you can't act like nothing's wrong. See what I mean? You greet them as a brother. Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. It's not saying like stick your nose up and don't, you know, don't talk to me. You're a heretic. You know, what it's saying is you you can't fellowship with them in the same way that you would fellowship with the brethren. Y'all understand? Y'all with me? Now, how do we spot them? Are they going to have... <laughs> they're gonna have by knowing the truth. That's right. They they're not gonna have a pitchfork and horns. They're not gonna 
you know, most of the time they they won't even recognize that I am trying to lead people away from the truth. They're just, you know, doing what they do. But they do not serve Christ. They serve their own belly. And they're always going to come with good words and fair speeches. Never going to come, you know, the preacher that offends people is usually not this guy. Okay, this guy is the guy that makes everybody feel good and makes everybody feel nice and he's got good words and fair speeches and it's all just, you know, I, I, he's just so, he's so warming, loving and, and all that kind of stuff. So the way that you know, though, is not by knowing, you, not by knowing every little thing that's wrong, it's by knowing everything that's right. So the way you prepare, the way you protect yourself, the way you do these things is not by learning about all the heresies out there. It's by knowing the truth and knowing why you believe what you believe. And then when someone comes and their doctrine is a little different than yours as far as what the truth is, what the gospel is, who God is, those kind of things, you can spot it because you know what the truth is. Okay? I'm glad, I'm glad therefore on your behalf... But yet I would have you to be wise. We already talked about that. What's good and simple concerning evil. And this is how being wise into what's good, knowing the truth, rather than being concerned about knowing all the little things about the heretics. It says this is how God and the God, if you do these things, and the God of peace, which comes from the truth, shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Okay. Anybody know what that refers to? Bruising Satan under your feet? Genesis 3.15. That's exactly right. He will crush the head of the serpent and you'll bruise his heel. Talking about the gospel. Why do you think Paul would put that here? Talking about the truth of doctrine and people trying to come in. The truth started all the way back from the beginning. Yeah, did God really say... That's what he asked Adam and Eve. Yeah, Adam's what he asked Eve. Did God really say that you couldn't eat from I mean, do you remember how remember how the serpent came to Eve? It wasn't like wasn't like, you know, scary monster, although a talking snake would probably freak me out a little bit. But it was smooth and subtle. It wasn't like God lied to you. It was you sure that's what God said? You sure maybe you didn't just misinterpret him? Really? You think you think God said you would die? You think really? You think that's true? He claimed that Satan died. Huh? Right, right. And that's the same way that that's the same way that these do. They come with fair speeches and enticing words, and they they don't say they will never say, "Oh, there is no God," or they will never say, you know, something crazy where you know, "Hey, that's crazy." You know, it, it'll never be like that. It'll be subtle. It'll be smooth. It'll be enticing. It'll be what you want to hear. You know, I want to hear that I am very good and that, you know, that I am a good person and that I'm just making up stuff. I would want to hear these kind of things. You know, I would want to hear. But Scripture tells me that I'm not. I'm not a good person. It says there's no one that does good. You know, Scripture, that's part of the gospel. If I'm a good person, I don't need nobody to save me. I'm not a good person. That's why I need a Savior. That's why I need the gospel. So this is basically what it's talking about. I didn't write the other part on the board. But at the end of that chapter, um, it goes on to say, uh, Timothy and all these guys greet you. 
And it says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and of the whole church, all these people are saluting them. And says, now to, and in case you're wondering, he says, I wrote this epistle. That's called, he's an amanuensis. He's Paul's secretary. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Who's he talking about? Who is of power to establish you according to the gospel? To God, right? Come on, stay with me. Now to him that is of power to establish you. How does he establish you? According to? Yeah, the gospel. Thank you. Y'all with me? We're on page 890. Huh? Verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish according to my gospel and, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, we've been all the way through the book of Romans. What is the mystery? The gospel. The gospel is right. For the one person who hadn't been here for none of the Romans classes, she's correct. The gospel. Y'all should know that. The mystery that Paul talks about over and over and over again is the gospel. It's the inclusion of all nations into the people of God. But now this is made manifest, this mystery, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience to the flesh. And then... To the obedience of Oh. The obedience of flesh. I was already looking at the next. I'm sorry. Yeah, that would have been. Hey, that's a false doctrine. And y'all sniffed it out. (laughs) That's right. That was a test. This is only a test. If this would have been a real emergency, you'd have been told. Okay. Says to to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And that's how he ends the letter. With uh, it ends kind of like it begins with glory to God through Jesus Christ and talking about the gospel. The gospel, the gospel is the one the mystery made manifest. It's the power to establish you. And it comes through the preaching of Christ. Um, it was kept secret since the world began. They didn't realize what the prophets were writing about or who would come or how it would work out. But now the gospel, the truth, salvation is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, it's made known to all the nations. And so he ends basically the first 16 verses of this chapter talk about talk about, you know, the people of the church and how he's commending this person and that person. And you need to take this person in and make sure you're hospitable to this person and that person. Talks about the unity of the church and the, the love that we have to the brethren. And then right in the middle, it says, but you need to make sure that you temper that unity with truth. Because there can be no unity with truth. If you need to divide, I, I, I love it. It's kind of like a, it says the church needs to be unified in dividing itself from these people. See what I mean? It's like you want unity, but the way to have unity is to separate from these people. See? So it says this section here is about balancing unity with each other and truth. You have to have both. Okay, if you don't have both, then something's bad wrong. Well, if you're throughout the Bible, it says, you know, be you separate. I've set you apart. You know, it, it, it speaks of that very boldly in the scriptures of how we are to be separate and how to be set apart and 
you know, a peculiar peculiar people. people. Yeah. And well, the thing about these is they're masquerading as us. See what I mean? Yeah. The thing about this, the thing about these people is that they're they look like us, they talk like us, they use our language. Um, that's why I don't want to bring that example up. That would they're they're out they're they're in here. They're out there. They're in the fellowship. Um, but you have to, like I said, you have to balance. You can't be like heresy hunter. You know, every time you meet somebody, uh, I mean, I got to figure out everything they believe. So I, it's not like that. It's a balance between unity and truth. When someone comes and tries to divide you from what you've learned from the doctrine of gospel and Christ, you know that that's somebody that's somebody that we have to avoid. For instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, Paul wrote this right. And in Galatians, Paul talks about he and Peter having a disagreement. Peter was, he would come and he would, when the, the Jews weren't around, he would eat with the Gentiles, you know, because he's the gospel. You know, he, you don't have to obey the food laws anymore. And then when the Jews would come, he would separate from the Gentiles because Peter was, Jew, you know, he was raised Jewish and that's just what he did. And Paul, that was, that is a, that is a, um, that's a violation of the gospel. It's a it's a denial of the gospel. And Paul didn't avoid Peter. He didn't say, "Okay, can't hang out with Peter no more. He's a mess." The first thing he did was confront Peter. He went to him face to face. It says, "It says I rebuked him to his face in front of all of them, saying, you can't do this.'" And Peter repented of what he did. If y'all read Galatians, you can read all about that. Um, so when it says avoid them, it's not it's not necessarily saying, you know, oh, I'm not talking to them no more. You know, it's saying you need to make sure that you understand that they are not out to serve the Lord on your behalf. They're out to fulfill their own inclinations, their own belly, their own appetites. Okay? Are y'all with me? You understand? Does that make sense? Any questions? No questions. Alright. Next week we're gonna do to do the Trinity before we do John. Okay, so next week I'm going to do the Trinity, and I'll send you I'll send you an outline. What we'll do is uh, for the Trinity, we'll I'm going to show you the doctrine of the Trinity from Scripture, and so we'll be going to different verses, and I'll send you an outline of all that. Um, and once we have a firm grasp of the doctrine of the Trinity, then we'll go into John because the very first section, the very first section.